Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Tony Stoyer. He is a financial preparedness advocate, author of a new book called Get Ready, a step-by-step planner for maintaining your financial first aid kit. Welcome to this Money Answer Show, Tony. Hi, Jordan. Uh, thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be Let's here with st- you today. Great. Great to have you. Let's just start with a little bit of your background in the financial services industry and how you got to be a financial preparedness advocate. Well, um, I started out uh, quite a few years ago as an insurance agent, and uh, after some time, I became a fee-based insurance consultant, uh, working predominantly with financial planners. And over the course of that time, then I started doing some litigation consulting, uh, kind of running the gamut. But the one thing that I noticed continuously is that there wasn't a lot of simple information out there for consumers and even for advisors working in areas other than their specialty. Uh, So I wrote my first book, Questions and Answers on Life Insurance, which is probably the most exciting book out there in the market, and uh, quickly branched out into other areas, uh, eventually leading to writing Get Ready, because the, the one commonality that I found is that people really didn't understand how to just even organize their finances for their financial planner or for their insurance agent. And that's what led me to creating a financial first aid kit. Great. So people need a first aid kit because you're saying they're not ready. Is that right? I mean, what is the, there's obviously people who are very ready and people who are not ready at all, but in general, are things getting better or worse as far as people's financial preparedness for dealing with what they have to in their financial lives? I think that it's getting a little bit better. Um, I think with the advent of the Internet is that people do have access to more information and that um, some people are actually taking advantage of that. But a lot of people are not. The the reason you're saying people need to get ready is because they're, for the most part, not ready is what you're saying, right? That's uh, what I've observed is I think for the most part, uh, people don't even know the right questions to ask and that they're so intimidated uh, by the majority of the financial world that they just, you know, they they can't even get their traction to get started. So what are the consequences of not being ready and not having, we're going to go over this in great detail, how they should get ready, but what are the consequences of not being ready and having all their finances together as you help them do? Well, uh, the the big picture, um, is being prepared for retirement, and we know that um, a significant percentage of the American population is not uh, properly prepared for retirement. They don't have enough savings put aside. Uh, we have issues of students carrying a tremendous amount of debt when they graduate from college. Uh, you know, so the, the issues run the gamut. Americans carry a tremendous amount of high interest rate credit card debt um, to overpaying for their cable bills. It runs the gamut. 
Very good. Right, we're going to go into various areas. The first thing you have are what you call four simple financial life changers. And let's go through those. The first one is to read documents. So you think people don't read documents. What should they be reading that they think they're not reading? Uh, all of them. <laughs> so in my experience is most people uh, read, you know, a very small percentage of the financial documents. And I, I think part of that is on the financial service industry itself is most of the information provided is impenetrable. Uh, take, for example, an insurance policy. It's not that easy to read or to understand what you're looking for. So, and, and part of that comes from a standardization. So if you're looking at an auto insurance policy from company A and an auto insurance policy from company B, they're not necessarily going to read the same. Yeah. So and a lot of it's regulatory as well. I mean, the, the regulators require certain disclosures in legal language, which some people can't make heads or tails of. Exactly. Uh, but there's no... Uh, singular type of placement, for example, like, uh, you know, on a nutrition label on, you know, a can of soup where you have everything in the same order, you know, on all the different cans of soup and you can somewhat more easily compare the two if you can make those crazy measurements of what's a quarter cup and all that. But I think you get where I'm going with this. So what are people missing by not reading these documents? I mean, if they read them more carefully, what would they get out of that? Well, you know, they might, uh, we saw it in uh, the last recession with uh, the people who lost their homes, is they might not have realized what their uh, interest rates could adjust to on their mortgage. Uh, And that's a pretty dramatic example. Um, You know, some of the people didn't realize they had balloon payments. Uh, We see it on... Uh, renters and homeowners insurance policies where uh, people don't realize that the typical homeowners policy doesn't cover flooding uh, and yet they live in an area that may be prone to flooding and they really do need flood insurance. And they think they have it, but they don't really have it. Uh, that's happened a lot in the Midwest lately with a lot of people getting flooded and not, not realizing that, yes. Okay, your second, uh, your second uh, financial life changer is to Watch your debt and avoid consolidation. What's wrong with consolidation loans? Well, the consolidation moves are often the companies promoting those um, aren't always working in the consumer's best interest. Is oftentimes you might be giving up, uh, you know, the, and that point was uh, more uh, geared directly towards um, college graduates, but it does work across the board. But especially with college graduates, if they have a loan through the federal government, they can work with uh, the government to come on, uh, to go on to an income-based repayment plan. So it might be, let's say, 5% of their income, where if they go into a private debt consolidation loan, basically they're just refinancing the terms with an extended repayment period, uh, meaning it'll take longer to pay off the debt, and they may not be able to get that in, well, they will definitely not be able to get the income-based repayment. Uh, so it could be a much higher percentage of their total income. They so that's for college consolidation. How about for non-college consolidation, regular consolidation loans? People have a bunch of different credit cards. They'll consolidate into one. What's wrong with that? Well, you know, in, in that context, um, it's not always a bad move, but it's 
it can oftentimes work the same way where, you know, the, the monthly payment is lower. So the consumer says, okay, I have a lower monthly payment, mission accomplished. Uh, however, at the end of the day, they're still paying the same amount out over the long term, and the terms may be for a much longer payment period. So they're not really getting ahead on paying off their debt. They've Your just third kind of shuffled it around. Yeah. Your third financial life changer is to make a plan before acting. Um, so you think a lot of people don't plan before they make major financial moves? A hundred percent. You know, and, well, I would say maybe 98 <laughs> percent. So um, what I've noticed is that uh, people spend less time thinking about their financial moves than they do shopping for a new television and that their eyes quickly glaze over when you go into the differences of different financial plans. And the other thing is that people tend to fall for, you know, the really shiny object, you know, of something that's a little too good to be true, uh, rather than going with something that's not quite as exciting, uh, but is maybe a more solid financial product. What would be an example of a shiny object that, that people buy incorrectly? Well, let's say, uh, you know, we'll take the uh, latest IPO as a lot of people may jump on Uber or Lyft uh, as an IPO because they think, oh, this is a hot new thing where, you know, maybe buying something boring like Bank of America stock maybe, and I'm not promoting either stock and I, I don't own stock at either company, uh, but the Bank of America may be a little more solid because they've been around for a long time and they have but they're not exciting to tell your friend, hey, I bought some Bank of America stock today. <laughs> yeah, okay. And your fourth life changer is tackle one thing at a time. Is people t- tend to multitask and then they don't get things done? Is that what you're saying? That's part of it. And also it's very easy to get overwhelmed is because all of a sudden you're taking on a lot of things. It's, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, is that you need to pick that one point of focus and start there and do it well, and then move on to your next financial task. And so a lot of people don't, you're saying? No, uh, I, I think people, you know, spend the minimum amount of time because we, we all live in a world where there's just not enough hours, and it's a tendency to, you know, get things done and crossed off our list rather than taking the time to make sure that we've done it well. You have a website, TonyStoyer.com. What can people find at that website? Well, they can find um, some useful tools like uh, Optimal Insurance Deductible Calculator. Uh, They can find uh, one-page PDF uh, worksheets uh, that match Get Ready. Uh, For example, there's a cash flow worksheet. There's a budget worksheet. There's... um, a retirement tracker, there's a personal property inventory, uh, all kinds of things to help you get financially organized and create your financial first aid kit. And you also have a Get Ready newsletter. How do people sign up for that? Uh, They can sign up for that at ConyStewart.com, and it comes eh, every other week or so. (laughs) I make no promises on that, but as quickly as I can get it out. Very good. Okay. We're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Tony Stewart. Uh, He is the author of a new book called Get Ready, 
a step-by-step planner for maintaining your financial first aid kit. Uh, He is a financial preparedness advocate, and you can find out more at his website, TonyStewart.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Attention heroes, current and former firefighters, law enforcement, military, medical, or educational professionals. Heroes can receive rewards averaging over $2,500 when they buy, sell, or refinance a home. Heroes come first. Along with the Homes for Heroes is the nation's largest hero reward program. Their mission is to provide extraordinary savings to heroes who provide extraordinary services to our nation and its communities every day. Learn how you can purchase a home for no down payment, no closing costs, and get money back at closing. Find out how you can own for less than you may pay for rent. Get your hero rewards at heroescomefirst.com. That's heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, comefirst.com, 888-437-6114. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Tony Stewart. He is a financial preparedness advocate. Uh, his website is TonyStewart.com, and his new book is called Get Ready, a Step-by-Step Planner for Maintaining Your Financial First Aid Kit. Welcome back to the show, Tony. Thank you, Jordan. So one of the things you've done is to put together what you call the financial principles of dealing with financial advisors in various ways. And so a lot of people are confused about how they should, what they should be getting from a financial advisor, and this gives them some ideas. So let's go through those briefly. Uh, the first one is your advisor should act in your best interest. Now, there is this fiduciary rule out there. It's kind of been watered down a little bit. But how, how do you know that a financial advisor is actually acting in your best interest? Well, it can really vary uh, by the by financial product. Um, as you point out with the fiduciary uh, rule, is it, uh, even though it's been watered down, it applies, I would say, more strongly to uh, certain financial advisors rather than others. Uh, and, for example, insurance agents are not covered uh, under it. And so their commission uh, 
they're compensated through commission. So, uh, you know, they're, they're not acting, uh, they, they may not have the same incentive to act on a consumer's behalf because they may be acting, you know, on more the behalf of getting a higher commission. And that's not to say that any commission-based salesperson is not going to do a good job for the consumer, but it does point out that they may have an inherent conflict of interest. So is part of it a disclosure? I mean, when you buy an insurance policy, a cash value policy, the commission is not uh, explained. or you, don't, you can even ask, and they often will not tell you what it's going to be. Should you always know what commission fees or bonuses are involved when you buy any financial product? Uh, you can't, uh, but you can ask the person um, how they're being compensated. And I think that usually most people will share it. They, they may not share, you know, the entirety of their compensation structure because sometimes those can be incredibly complex. Uh, however, they will say, you know, we're paid through commission if you buy a product. And uh, depending on the product, you know, we may get paid a higher or lower rate of commission. But at least it gives you an idea of where their interests lie. Since you know life insurance so well, give people a rough idea on somebody buying a cash value policy. It could be variable life, whole life, universal life. Just roughly, what kind of a commission is paid on the first year of premium? What percentage? Well, it depends, you know, on a whole variety of factors. Uh, the company, the agent's experience, you know, what, what have you. But it can range from 50 to well over 100% of the first year premium. Meaning that if it's 100%, you, you, you haven't gained any cash value in the first year because all of it's gone to the, the commission. Is that right? Correct. And uh, some whole life and universal life policies variable are a little bit different since they're regulated by the SEC. Uh, they can have surrender periods for up to 16 years and surrender charges of 90 to 100%, you know, for the first four or five years sometimes. Yeah. Okay, the next uh, uh, rule is you should receive customized service appropriate to your needs and goals. Now, you, don't you need to have a lot of money to get customized service? I mean, a lot of these firms today have kind of national customer service centers where you're not, it's not customized at all. Can everybody get, should expect customized service? Well, I, I think that they should expect something that's somewhat close to... Uh, Customized service, and what I mean by that is that it should be an appropriate product. Um, since we're talking about life insurance, we can stick with that for a minute. For example, if somebody says, I need life insurance to cover my wife for 10 years, that's a 10-year term life insurance policy, uh, and that provides the coverage that is strictly needed. And it's not a cash value life insurance policy because they're not looking to build up um, a cash value and they're not looking 10 years down the road. And you have a surrender charge uh, that's going more than 10 years. So, you know, I think you can um, have some very basic customized service like that where you're not putting a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. Your next uh, rule is to have free choice. You're saying people should be able to shop around and get competitive options. Is that something a lot of financial advisors don't want them to shop it around and kind of resist that? Uh, some do and some don't. Um, you know, I, I think, unfortunately, is there's no real 
regulation on that in some areas of the financial services industry. And I think people need to realize that they do have the free choice and that uh, products and options will vary significantly uh, between companies so that they have to take it upon themselves to, you know, do a little bit, bit of research, learn something, and uh, get some you know, different information on a couple different products. Often it's different to comp- difficult to compare as well, since it's not apples to apples. They've got different bells and whistles, so it's hard for the individual who's not an expert to know what to make of these different options. Uh, yeah, for, with a lot of products, that's 100% accurate. I know you've been doing this for a long time, so you've seen all the various <laughs> financial uh, issues out there over the years. Uh, and I think that's something where people should try to simplify it and go with products that they can understand where they can find them. Of course, as we both know, is in some areas, it's a little bit challenging yes. uh, to find. Your next one is you should receive an answer to any question. Do you find that some financial advisors are uh, reluctant to, to answer certain questions? Uh, definitely, or that they hedge on the answer. And I think that that is also, um, you know, I have an article on my site about, you know, scams and red flags, and that that's always a red flag is when somebody is ducking your question um, or not kind of answering it, you know, where they sort of answer it, but then it goes off on a different tangent and they've never fully answered the question. Yeah. The next one is you have a right to pay a fair price or premium. Uh, in many cases, you don't even know what the premium or price of commission is. How do you do that? Well, so that's where, you know, it does, a lot of these do come back on the consumer, uh, that the consumer does have to understand that they have a role in this, and that since it's their money, uh, that they have to take it upon themselves to take a few minutes and learn something as painful as it is, um, you know, take a few minutes to educate yourself um, to pay for it, you know, and then, you know, it's really your right to find out what that fair price or premium is and to hold the company responsible for it. Um, what we've often seen in the financial services industry is that somebody will be promised something at the point of sale, but by the time the contract comes through, the terms are different, and that's yeah. not fair to the consumer. Yeah. It's, it's hard, for example, in a mortgage where you get to the closing table and you've got all this people standing around you and you can't read this whole long contract and the points have changed or the fees or something has changed, you're, you're in a position where you really almost can't refuse to go ahead with it. Uh, correct. And, and that is an issue. However, you know, if you are prepared and have looked over the documents beforehand and you do see a change, then you might be able to better ask the question to see what, if that change is legitimate or not. In my experience, uh, you, know, you don't get yeah you don't get to see the full mortgage documents before the closing. You're supposed to, but it often doesn't happen. You know. Yeah, that's been my experience as well. Unfortunately, <laughs> the next thing you say you should always be informed. So you're saying you should get everything in writing and not only take things orally. Correct, correct. Because an oral promise, uh, you know, I mean, there's. Some issues with oral contracts, of course, uh, and I'm not a legal expert, but if you have something in writing, it's a lot harder to be disputed. Yeah. 
The next thing is you should be tr- expect to be treated fairly and respectfully. Do you find that that's not happening as much in the financial services industry? Well, I would say for any company where you call them and for your convenience, you're expected to hold for an hour. Uh, so <laughs> I think, uh, unfortunately, that's uh, an issue, you know, with corporate America, um, if that's the best way to phrase it, is uh, that I think any service professional or company should treat their customers like they actually are their customers. Yeah. The next one is you have the right to full disclosure and updates. I mean, often this disclosure can go on for pages and pages. It's all legal, but it doesn't really mean anything to anybody, even though legally I guess they're off the hook if they've disclosed this investment could go down in value or things like that. Yeah, and, and that, that is the reality, is that uh, a lot of these disclosures are completely unfathomable, uh, even to people you know, in the industry. <laughs> so I, I know for myself yeah. I've seen things from insurance companies that are incredibly challenging and complex, and it take me hours to figure out uh, just what they mean, but you know, at least you know if the companies are sending it out, you you have a chance of finding it. Uh, but if the companies aren't even providing it, then you have zero chance of finding it. Whatever happened to plain language laws? Supposedly, like in credit cards, they were guaranteed to have plain, understandable language. Is that still around, or has people forgot about that? Uh, you know that that gets into. Um, I, we, we definitely don't want to get political on the show, but I, I think, unfortunately, our legislators in Washington get a little bit distracted on a whole variety of issues and that these things get watered down over time and that they lose their effectiveness. Yeah. Your last one is you should be able to cancel or change a financial service or to be notified of any change. Is that something that's often not happening? People are forced to take something after like a three-day rescission period? Uh, sometimes, and, uh, you know, what's more common is uh, that they're not notified of changes or they're notified of changes, uh, I, get, I would say, not in a timely fashion so that they can re- reflect on those changes. Um, I, I, one thing that I've noticed um, personally, and in, I was talking to my mother-in-law about this the other day, is that the uh, period to pay some of your bills has gotten much shorter, you know, whereas you might have had 21 days after receiving your credit card statement to pay the credit card statement, now maybe 14 days, and then the companies say, well, we have to receive it with enough time for it to be processed. Um, so, you know, the companies are contracting uh, the periods where you can make yeah. these changes. And a lot of people are not aware of that. Then they pay late fees and all that if they don't do it right. Exactly, exactly. Very good. All right, so those were the, what were called the financial principles uh, to dealing with uh, financial professionals in various ways. I think that was very helpful. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Tony Stewart. Uh, he is a financial preparedness advocate. Uh, his new book is called Get Ready, a step-by-step planner for maintaining your financial first aid kit. And you can find out more at his website, TonyStewart.com. We'll be back after this.
stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Tony Stewart. Uh, He is a financial preparedness advocate. Uh, His website is TonyStewart.com. He has a book out called Get Ready, a Step-by-Step Planner. For maintaining your financial first aid kit. Welcome back to the show, Tony. Thanks, Jordan. You have a lot of expertise in insurance, particularly. Let's just briefly talk about life insurance. Uh, there's two schools of thought. There's buy term and invest the difference, and there's cash value as a forced savings mechanism and has tax benefits. How should we decide uh, in, in getting life insurance which way to go? Well, I, I think that... Um people have been looking at this not in the way they probably should, is I think that the approach should be really thinking about what you want to accomplish with your life insurance and what your needs are rather than letting it be product-driven. That the whole conversation should be around you and your financial plan and not about what products may be attractive. I mean, do you find most people are underinsured or overinsured? Uh, most people are underinsured. Um, you know, especially if they've been buying cash value life insurance, they can't afford to buy as much insurance as they need. So, is the best be, solution to do a combination? Do some term and some cash value? Uh, sure, if if that's what the needs are. Uh, so that's the thing. It, it should always be needs driven. Yeah. Um, and as far as cash value, between traditional whole life, variable, universal, and index universal is the kind of new one, uh, do you have a favorite? Uh, none of them. For the most part, uh, the only type of permanent life insurance that I think most people should have is called guaranteed universal life insurance. And it effectively functions like term life insurance. It has a guaranteed premium and goes to a guaranteed age with a guaranteed death benefit. So you're getting everything guaranteed. Um, Whole life is your safest type of insurance. Uh, Universal life, variable life, and index life all have some degrees of 
variability in the components and that that makes it more risky. We're talking about insurance here. Insurance should not be a risky part of your planning portfolio. Uh, That's the whole point of insurance is to take out the risk from your life. There's a whole bunch of people that do this so-called bank on yourself, uh, which is using life insurance. Uh, Do you think that's a good idea? You know, I would say that for most people, it's not. Um, Yet, while I'm not an investment expert, I am an advocate of minimizing your expenses. And it's not the most inexpensive way to go. Uh, You know, and also, you know, if you're using whole life policies, as I mentioned earlier, is you could be talking about having your money locked in, you know, with surrender charges for up to 16 years and some pretty draconian surrender charges. So if you get into something and you find out four years later um, that you need to get out because your financial situation has changed and you need access to your cash, you're locked in. Now, that may happen with an IRA, but at least with an IRA, if you stop contributing for a year, your whole plan's not going to fall apart. Well, it could lapse if you don't pay the premium, is what you're saying. Exactly, exactly. And how about annuities? Now, they're popular these days as a way of saving in a tax-deferred way. And again, there's variable annuities, there's index annuities, there's fixed annuities. How do you pick and when are annuities appropriate for somebody's portfolio? Well, I think annuities are um, an important part of the portfolio, especially, um, I think, on the spending side when you're going into the distribution phase. But, again, I would say that people should opt towards the fully guaranteed products rather than the products that have a whole bunch of um, variable components, such as uh, indexed annuities, which are super popular, where the insurance company controls a number of the facets of the policy uh, where the insurance company can change what's called your participation rate. So you may get credited 10% in interest, but the insurance company can say, well, instead of you getting 100% of that, you're only going to get 80%. And they don't have to justify that. They can just declare that from year to year what your participation rate is going to be. Um, So you're, you're taking some risk there, you're taking risk with the return, um, where, again, this should be a very guaranteed, safe part, very conservative and boring part of your investment portfolio. It sounds what you're saying is a lot of people are in policies you think are not good for them. Their costs are too high. They're locked in for too long. They've got surrender charges. They don't control things. It sounds like there should be a lot of unhappy people in various insurance products. Uh, 100%. That's 100% accurate. (laughs) Okay. Unusual for somebody in the insurance business to say that, yes. Well, you know, my whole niche um, as a consultant uh, to uh, wealth management firms is helping people unwind their insurance, their life insurance and annuity products. That's been a big niche for me, um, is that the top financial planning firms, you know, know that those are not good products for their clients, and they try to get them out of most of them where they can. Uh, You've also written about disability insurance. Just briefly, uh, when do you need disability insurance in addition to what you might get uh, from work, and and there is Social Security disability as well? Uh, Correct. Well, Social Security disability is, we we, pretty much everybody is eligible for it, 
However, it's very difficult to qualify for, and it only pays for a total disability. Uh, and then even if you do qualify, it doesn't pay a whole lot. So it's not going to replace 100% of your income for most of us. Uh, and you get into the same conversation with group insurance as group insurance can also be limited. Uh, most group insurance policies will replace 50% of the base salary up to a certain monthly cap on a pre-tax basis. So when all is said and done, you know, when you take into account taxes, you take into account that maybe you get a bonus um, or other compensation, and you may only get on a group insurance policy 40% or 35% of your pre-tax income. Uh, so individual disability insurance, I think, is something everybody should consider if they're dependent upon their income, on their current income. Should it only be if you're in a job that has risk? I mean, if you're in a, a desk job in an office, I mean, not too much is likely to happen as opposed to if you're working in a steel mill or something. Does that make a difference as to whether you should get an independent disability policy or not? I, no, um, because the thing with an individual disability insurance policy, there's two components to consider here, is an individual disability insurance policy will pay a partial disability benefit if you have a partial disability, and that the odds of somebody having at least a partial disability for lasting 90 days or more, which is the, the elimination period on a disability insurance policy, can be one in three if they're 20 years old, that they'll have that type of disability before they're 65 years old. So the odds are pretty good that you'll have some type of disability that will keep you out for more than 90 days, but probably not permanently. You know, the average disability will last, I think it's three to four years, that, that one I can't remember offhand. But it's not necessarily something that's happening in the office. You could be out on a camping trip or motorcycling or... You could have a disability not only related or caused at your job. Is that correct? That is correct. Now, for somebody working in a steel mill, is um, you know, an industrial accident would be covered under their workers' compensation, uh, yeah. which is a form of disability insurance. Uh, so, you know, there is that difference that there might be something appropriate to a specific occupation, but again, it only have as, as you point out, it only. Uh, pays a claim if it happens during your work hours. Whereas disability covers 24 hours, wherever you are, whatever the reason may be, right? Exactly. You have cancer or you have, uh, let's say you have a heart attack, that, that's a, which is a very good example. So you have a heart attack, you're out for two weeks, then you go back to work, but your doctor says, okay, well, for the first six months, you can only work two days a week, you know, phase yourself back in, see if you can handle it. Um, you know, then an individual disability insurance policy would pay a partial benefit to replace those three days a week where you're not working. Yeah. Let's just briefly go to uh, graduates. We just had a lot of people graduating from college. What are some of the things that people getting out of school that maybe have not done too much personal financial planning because they haven't had money or a job yet should be thinking about to get, get going in the, uh, the real world, so to speak? Well, I, I think they need to be thinking about um, how they're going to organize their finances and deal with it. Um, I think one of the things they should do is create a financial first aid kit, uh, which is why I uh, created uh, Get Ready in the Get Ready system. Uh, but to start thinking about, you know, what their plan is, how, how they're going to do this. 
uh, particularly student loan debt is a big issue these days. People coming out with, an, I think it's an average of about 38,000 student loan debt. How, how can they handle that when it's such a huge amount over a long period of time? Well, I think uh, that they need to uh, walk back and, uh, you know, first of all, um, set up a budget, figure out where they are, you know, what kind of income do they have coming in, what type of expenses, and then they can start to set goals and priorities in terms of managing their student loan debt. Uh, as we discussed earlier in the show, if they have um, a student loan through a federal government plan is they should consider whether applying for an income-based repayment plan to keep their uh, student loan payments down may make sense for them, although that could conceivably stretch out uh, their repayment period. But I I think that they need to strategize with their entire loan uh, as, as one portfolio and take a look at it all together rather than just deal with each loan separately have a macro overview. How about forgiveness programs? Are you think those realistic for people to qualify for? Um, I I think for some people I'm not overly familiar with them. Um, You know, I I think it depends on the situation. If you can qualify, you might as well give it a try. (laughs) Can't hurt. It can't hurt, indeed. Very good. All right, we're going to take another break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Tony Stewart. Uh, He is a financial preparedness advocate. Uh, He has a newsletter as well called the Get Ready Newsletter, which you can find at his website, TonyStewart.com. His latest book is called Get Ready, a Step-by-Step Planner for Maintaining Your Financial First Aid Kit. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth in Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth in Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Be sure to like the Voice America Business Channel on Facebook. You'll find out about up-to-the-minute business happenings and get ideas from entrepreneurs and business professionals. Search Voice America Business or click the like button under the player and stay ahead of the curve. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all of our show archives on demand. All from your iOS, Amazon Kindle, or Android device. Download it from the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Tony Stewart. He is a financial preparedness advocate. His website, TonyStewart.com. He's got a newsletter. He's got all kinds of things on that uh, website. His book is called Get Ready, a Step-by-Step Planner for Maintaining Your Financial First Aid Kit. Welcome back to the show, Tony. Thanks, Jordan. Glad to be back. We're going to go just briefly into some of the different things, and all the worksheets in the book are also on your website. Is that correct? That is correct. All the worksheets can be uh, downloaded as fillable PDFs. Very good. All right, so just some of them. Emergency contacts. Just tell us why you need to write down all your emergency contacts. Well, um, you know, part of when, when I started writing this book is one of the goals was also for people to have it while they're living, but also um, so that their loved ones can have it if, for whatever reason, they're not in the picture. Either they're out of town or they are incapacitated or they pass away. So it's a way of um, somebody else you know, besides you organizing it for yourself, it's so that somebody else can have it if they need to step in and manage your financial affairs. Yeah. Uh, Personal papers and legal documents, in general, how long should you keep these kind of things? It depends on the document. Uh, So if you have something uh, that, let's say, is property or investment related, you'd hold on to it as long as you hold on to that um, piece of property or investment. Uh, so that you can track uh, the cost basis and any other factors for tax. Um, if you have something that is strictly income tax related that you're using for a deduction, let's say a charitable donation, you'd want to hold on to it for seven years. Is why you can only be audited under regular uh, reasons for up to three years. The IRS can audit you for fraud for up to six years. So you want to hold on to any tax documentation. Uh, for up to six years. You also said to write down the contents of your wallet. Why would that be? Well, if your wallet ever gets stolen, then you don't have to try to remember (laughs) what was in it. Uh, So you can easily make a call to any credit card companies, to the DMV, um, you know, AAA if you're a AAA member, uh, to take care of getting everything in your wallet replaced. You said to write down everything about children. Uh, Why is that important to do? Well, um, so when you're filling out forms, let's say for summer camp uh, or college or whatever, uh, for your children as you have that information uh, handy, um, you know, so it's, it's more t- so that you can find all your stuff in one place uh, rather than for perhaps a strictly financial reason on that one. And you've got military service. Why should you write everything related to your military service? Well, that's important um, on two. Uh, one, it is important at death because um, you know, your spouse uh, may want you to have military honors or your family to have military honors. Uh, there may be some military benefits uh, that the survivors are entitled to. And it also helps you keep it fresh because, you know, 20 years from now, you may not remember, you know, things that are, were important about your military service to you. Yeah. You have what you call digital life, devices and services, uh, your cell phones, your tablets, your computers. Why do you need to have all those things? 
Well, so one, so people can find all your um, devices and to be able to access them. Um, I guess that's, you know, I haven't dealt with Face ID, <laughs> so I, I don't know uh, how you could do Face ID, but, you know, uh, we all have different uh, passwords to unlock our devices, so knowing where the devices are and how to access the devices come in really handy for somebody or even for ourselves, you know, if you forget, you know, what, what that password was you set. Yes. And you also say the same for cloud storage and just have all the different passwords for all the different websites you're dealing with all the time. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm always consulting. Um, yeah, I have a spreadsheet for all my passwords as I'm always consulting my spreadsheet cause I'm like, what the heck was my password here? My secret question, and you know, I mean, I can't keep track of all that stuff. Absolutely. Then you have a whole chapter on listing your assets. Uh, just basically, what what's the purpose of having all your assets listed out? Well, a, a couple purposes is like, for example, we were talking earlier about mortgages. Is when you go to apply for a mortgage, is you know they ask you to send in you know documentation sometimes on your assets. So it's good to have it all in one place so you can easily have your information organized. Um, and now we also have it organized for your heirs if something should pass, uh, should happen to you. Uh, if your family doesn't know about it, it's going to go to unclaimed property, which means the state will get to manage the money rather than it passing to your children or to your spouse. Yes. You have a whole chapter on organizing your retirement plan. What are the things people need to do to organize their retirement plans? Well, um, you know, just make note of all your accounts is one other thing that happens is sort of like unclaimed money is people may forget that they had a small 401k at that company they worked at for two years. Um, so by documenting all their plans is, you know, then they go back and go, oh, yeah, you know, I forgot I had that 401k over here or that IRA over there. Um, so it's a way of making sure you're able to tap into all your assets that are yours. Yeah. You've got a whole chapter on real estate, not only your primary residence, but timeshares, second homes, rental homes. Uh, why is that important to write down? Uh, for the same reasons is so that you're able to track it and, um, for yourself and easily have it accessible. So, for example, if you're applying for a new loan um, and to, to have it you know, let's say the binder was also designed for you to be able to use in an emergency. So if you lose all your papers um, because you have a house fire, is you have the basic uh, the basics of the property or the asset or the retirement plan in your binder, in your get ready binder, get ready planner. So when you have a fire, you rush for that binder. Basically, <laughs> that's the one thing you need. Well, exactly. Instead of sorting through all your drawers trying to go, okay, where's my pink slip? I mean, you know, you're not going to be looking for that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, you have you have a half hour to evacuate or 20 minutes. And, you know, if you can grab a binder that's got all your important stuff already logged in, you're, you're set to go and you can worry about other things like your pictures and whatever yeah. other mementos you want to grab. Then you say to take inventory. So this is like for uh, home insurance purposes, write down all the different... Uh, aspects of your house? Exactly, for the same uh, reason. But, it, you know, it can also come in handy, um, you know, besides the fires, let's say your home is burglarized, um, you know, that you can easily say, oh, yeah, that was uh, the TV, and that was a serial number for my TV. 
um, you know, or if you've uploaded uh, pictures to your cloud account of um, property in the different rooms, you know, it, it can come in handy for a number of reasons. So you've got other sections on debts and insurance portfolios and estate planning and taxes. Um, so overall, kind of what difference will it make in people's life to have their financial survival kit ready as opposed to not? Well, you know, it would make a difference um, in terms of filing a claim. I had a friend of mine uh, who was a victim of the campfire in Butte County and lost everything in minutes. However, mm. he was an insurance professional who was highly organized, and so he had his homeowner's claim filed the next day because he had all the information he needed located outside of his home. Whereas other people, you know, they may be waiting two or three months before they're even able to start the process uh, because they're still trying to access all their information. Um, the other time it comes in handy is, you know, if you do have to take over somebody's estate when they pass away, is you're able to find everything right away because um, you know where it's located or you know what you're looking for instead of looking through you know, file drawers and file boxes in the garage or basement and trying to figure it out. So you find a lot of people are disorganized and it causes pain not only for them, but the people cleaning up after them, whether it be a fire or a death. Exactly, exactly. Very good. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, people can really get some good information at your book called Get Ready, a step-by-step planner for maintaining your financial first aid kit. And all the worksheets that are in here are also at your website at TonyStewart.com. Is that right? That is correct. Very good. Well, thanks again. My guest this hour has been Tony Stewart. He is a financial preparedness advocate. Uh, and you can find out more at his website, TonyStewart.com. Uh, you can see we've covered a lot of interesting ground. And this will really help you get organized in a very good way. Thanks so much for being a great guest on The Money Answer Show, Tony. Thank you for having me on, Jordan. It's been my pleasure. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.